Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. 20, 20, there he is. Here we are. Yes, NBA trade season is upon us quickly. We're recording this around 10 a.m. Eastern here on a Tuesday. I say that because who knows what news is going to break during the podcast or as soon as we stop recording the podcast. So I'm going to need all you guys keep your eyes on the tweets because you never know what type of trade we're going to get next because we got a lot to get to. So let's just jump into it, man. Up, down, report, JD. Preparing your tumbies. It's the up, down, report. Oh, boy. All right, let's start with the Phoenix Suns, who have agreed in principle on a deal to acquire Chris Paul. The trade sends CP3 and Abdel Nader to the Suns for Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Leclerc. I'm not even (laughs) sure how you say it. I thought you were Canadian, man. And a 2022 first-round pick. Chris Paul to the Suns, up or down on them, going to get them, task, get us started. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I am so excited about Jordan LeCue's future in the NBA. No, I am pumped for the Phoenix Suns. I, I think it's great for them to be going for it, to show Devin Booker, hey, we are absolutely going for it. I don't think the cost is all that much, even though, zoom out for a sec. I think it's easy to forget Chris Paul is an old man in terms of basketball years because he had such a good year last year. He kind of uh, rehabbed his, re- uh, his reputation last year. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, but it seemed like he was on the decline. Then, boom, he's 35. But if you're the Phoenix Suns, you could have Chris Paul for only one year, potentially, if he doesn't want to get into the opt into the last year of his contract. So he's got two years remaining. So is Rubio Ubre a first-round pick uh, a little too much for Chris Paul? I don't think so. No. I think you you go for it uh, to show Devin Booker that we can be a good team. They are not a championship contender with Chris Paul subbing in for Ricky Rubio and losing Kelly Rubey. No doubt. Uh, but I think five years into Devin Booker's career, you just got to show the guy uh, that we 
had made that march in the bubble. We made that eight game stretch. And, and I think if they if they decide to sit on their laurels and, and just be a middling team that could make the playoffs uh, with Rubio and Ubre instead of Chris Paul, uh, then that would really hurt their reputation. It would hurt the reputation around the league. It would hurt the relationship with Devin Booker. Uh, it would make that quiet arena even quieter. It's one of those weirder uh, teams that are is better on the road. Uh, and I think Chris Paul is going to make DeAndre Ayton so, so much better. And people will look at this and say, oh, they, they gave up Ubre. That's, that's a pretty good player. I wonder about uh, Kelly Ubre. He's going to be 25 pretty soon. Uh, he was already in trade rumors just a year into his tenure in Phoenix. He's already been uh, traded twice now. So he's kind of up and down. He's, he's solid and, and hopefully will be a good player for OKC. Uh, they, they could turn around and trade him. They could definitely turn around and trade Rubio. Uh, but I think the prize that OKC got was a first-round pick. So I think that package is totally fine for a year or two of Chris Paul because it's going to pay off in the future, showing Devin Booker that we're a solid team. And again, they went 8-0 in the bubble. Kelly Oubre wasn't even there. He wasn't a part of that. Mikel Bridges was their defensive stopper, not taking shots away from Devin Booker. Uh, and Cam Johnson was the other forward there uh, to go along with DeAndre Ayton. I'm excited for this team with yeah. with Saric off the bench. I think they're they're solid, and it was worth that price. Even if uh, Chris Paul is in his mid 30s, I'm excited for this team. Thumbs up from Tassie for sure. And you're right. I mean, no Bridges going back. No Cam Johnson. Not even the tenth pick in this year's draft. You know, again, I know this year's draft not looking all that hot. It's a future first round pick, but. Not a ton. Trey, you agree with Tass? Or are you uh, thumbs up on the sun? Sort of going like, yeah, let's let's try and get the playoffs right now with Devin Booker adding Chris Paul to the mix. Oh, yeah. Two thumbs up, actually. You guys know I'm a big Chris Paul fan, so I think this oh, is yeah. a great move. Uh, but seriously, I do like it for the Suns for all the reasons Tass is saying. Sometimes it is silly to go all in on a team that was just outside of the playoffs. We've seen it with the Suns in the past. They won 48 games. They tried to roll out a lineup with three-point guards, and it was a disaster. But this, to me, makes sense because the Suns haven't made the playoffs in a decade. Sometimes just getting to the playoffs is a championship, and that's what the Suns need to show Devin Booker. We're going to talk about the schedule a little bit later, but basically 10 teams are going to be making the playoffs. Congrats (laughs) to the Suns. I think you just broke the streak. Who knows how high the Suns can rise? In the, Western Comfort, in the Western Conference, not an intended pun, but a great one. For me, they're probably <laughs> in the second tier, right? They're probably in the fifth through tenth seed, wherever they end up falling. They're going to be better than they have been. And like Tass is saying, I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be a most improved player candidate because Chris Paul is going to be on that guy nonstop. Mm. You saw he made DeAndre, Ayton, or DeAndre Jordan into an all-NBA player with the lobs and getting him com- to commit to defense. And I think that'll be the same for Ayton. This is a smart move. It's a huge upgrade over Rubio because Chris Paul is good at all of Ricky Rubio's strengths. Uh, he plays defense. He's a great playmaker. Plus, you get some clutch play. You get some mid-range jumpers. And you just get a little bit more veteranship. Losing Ubre Hurts, he was a culture setter for the Suns. The guy invented the Valley Boys nickname. He modeled the jerseys. And now he's already out of here. But that's how you use a trade chip. He's going to be replaced by Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, obviously, is going to be stepping into his role a little bit as well. So if you're able to flip him for a guy who's going to raise your status in the Western Conference, make you a team that people notice, I think this is a great move. Uh, It is weird to me for Chris Paul because they're not a title contender. He's Mm -hmm. now on his fourth team in five seasons, which if that was any other player, he'd be like, what is going on? Why is he moving around like this? It feels similar to Russell Westbrook, how he's ending up on all these different teams at the end of his career, but 
There are still moves to be made for the Suns. Maybe Chris Paul sticks around a little bit longer and him being there along with Booker and Ayton is a lure for teams uh, or for players to join the Suns. So I think this is a smart move by the Suns. Sometimes you just got to take that next step. You know, the Suns finally improved this past season for the first time in Devin Booker's career. So they seem to be trending upwards and you got to love it. Yeah, Chris Paul, you said it there, Trey, led the league in clutch time scoring, <laughs> Lily. I mean, he averaged In like the regular 18, season, right? In the regular season, yeah. Um, and he averaged 18, 7, and 5, let's say. But he played a lot of games, too. It was a Chris Paul that was healthy, played like 70 games. He reunites with Monty Williams, um, who, you know, he played for one season in New Orleans, and they were good. Uh, this is a younger Chris Paul, of course, but 46 and 36 that season. They did lose in the first round of the playoffs. But what do you think, Lili, CP3? Does he Can he continue to play at the level he did with OKC? And do you like the idea of, like, yeah, the impact he could have on an Eaton or even a Booker, for that matter, in terms of helping their chances to, of course, end this playoff trip? Yeah, he'll have an impact, no question about it. His leadership and the respect that he commands from his teammates is going to be automatic. And the Suns saw what he did in OKC there last season returning to the All-Star game like he just showed. he uh, He's still got it at this level. And for the Suns, it's kind of like, we're basically desperate. We need to make the playoffs. We need to show Devin Booker before he starts uh, saying, I want to get out of here and yeah. I want to go somewhere else, that we're going to try to at least make the playoffs. That's the first step. Now, what's the ceiling for the Suns? It, probably not much more than the second round right now, I would say. Now, who knows? Maybe things come together a little bit quicker and things fall into place. But I would still say that if that is still progress for them, Um, you know, and then hopefully they can build on that and get some other pieces around as Chris Paul moves on a little bit and then Devin Booker improves and becomes a better player and the Suns can can grow from this. So this is kind of a platform for them. But yeah, you may as well make this move if you're Phoenix because you're otherwise you're just on that treadmill of mediocrity with those guys like Kelly Oubre who, you know, fine, he's, he's a decent player, but he doesn't really move the needle. Chris Paul does move the needle for the Suns. He gets them from a probably not into the playoffs to a probably into the playoffs team which is significant progress for them. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's what they need right now, Phoenix. They've been a disastrous franchise for a long time. They've got some young pieces. And the two key ones, Booker and Ayton, they want to keep those guys happy and they want to show that we are prepared to spend money and we are prepared to try to get in to the playoffs and into the mix there. So um, I think it's I think it's the right move here for, uh, for Phoenix because otherwise you were just going to enter the season next year after the uh, 8-0 run down in the bubble, of course, which was... Probably a little bit of a mirage in, in total, but you you still weren't convinced that they were going to go to the playoffs. Now, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm totally convinced, but I would say there's a very, very good chance that they do make it at least into that sort of seventh, maybe even sixth spot in the Western Conference, which will be uh, important for them. So, you know, they had to do it. And, uh, you, you know, you look at like what the Raptors did when they went and got Kawhi Leonard. That was only one season, but it paid off for them because they won the championship. Now, mm-hmm. what the Suns are doing here, they're not going to win the championship next season. But at least it's that one season of like, look, maybe, you know, things things don't have to be just a, a 30 win or below team forever. You know, we are going to try to get better. We are going to try to uh, spend some money and get some better players in here and try to be better for Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. So I think that's what they're doing. And they're realizing that, you know, it's it's not a long-term move here getting Chris Paul. It's, it's basically for the next year, maybe two years. But in those two years, they still could be significant as far as uh, just improving the culture, improving your team. And getting your, uh, your your players, your franchise players, to taste some playoff success or playoff experience. Yeah, I think that's important. I think it was Pelton that wrote, by the time Phoenix's payroll, in theory, gets super expensive in 2022-23, I know it's in the, down the line here, but that's when Eaton and Mikel Bridges, they would complete their rookie contracts. 
by the time they get to that, you know, Chris Paul's $44 million salary is off the books. So that, mm. that's it makes sense as a bit of a risk to go all in now. And again, they kept the 10th pick here in this draft. Who knows what they do with that? You, you slipped in Saric there, Tass. Um, I think they still retain the bird rights on him, right? Because he is a restricted free agent. We'll see if he's still in the mix. I think they have about $9 million, um, in the uh, non-taxpayer mid-level uh, exception to play with and try and add to their roster. I don't think they're done. I mean, I think they are really, really going... Yeah, we, we got to be a playoff team. We got to get Booker in there. We saw what he could do in like, quote unquote, big games, you know, in the bubble. That was their playoffs, let's be honest, even though they didn't actually make it. And uh, I don't think they're done here uh, at all. And um, I, th- I think they'll do something with this number 10 pick, to be honest. Our man, John Hollinger, uh, a much smarter cat man than us, was a, a little bit perplexed by what they did in terms of bringing in Chris Paul right now. That basically ate up all their salary cap money. Uh, and so they could have waited until free agency started, signed somebody else into that $60 million cap space, and then traded these salaries, Rubio, Ubre, uh, for Chris Paul, and it would have worked out that way. But I, I don't think they're really going to make a big splash anyways outside of uh, their own roster. I, I think they're they're going to hang out with Sarge. Uh, maybe Kaminsky comes back. Maybe Aaron Baines comes back. And you got a team. I, 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 I think that this team... Uh, when I, I realized, I was like, realistically, okay, they're going for the playoffs, but can this team really be a playoff team? Uh, I, I had my doubts, but then looking at it, Houston's already starting the rebuild process. We're right. going to get to them. OKC, obviously, without Chris Paul, Bye-bye. is going to drop off. So there's a, there's an opening. There, there's a big opening uh, for the Phoenix Suns to jump in, and it's not a long-term commitment, as you said there, Skeets. You got to show Devin Booker. This, these are his years now where he's, he, wants to, he wants to win. We just mm-hmm. know, guys. They don't want to sit on a team, uh, unfortunately, like, uh, like KG had to, uh, sat there for year after year after year losing. Uh, and then there was a taste of some winning, and, and that made him loyal to Minnesota. But you can't sit there for a decade and lose. Devin mm-hmm. Booker's playing his best ball uh, right now. you got to show him that um, going into this next season that things are going to be on the, on the up and up, and, and they're doing that. And... Uh, I think Devin Booker, again, eight games. Obviously, they're 8-0. But they got the perfect amount of time from not making the playoffs to this new season. I think they've got to, they're have going to have the legs. They're going to be ready. <laughs> People complain about, like are mentioning that the Lakers and the Heat are going to be tired. All the Suns, they're going to be running. I think they're going to be fresh. I think they're going to feel good uh, starting on December 22nd or whenever they kick off their season. Let's talk it. Quickly from the Thunder side of things too, because they move, they sell high on Chris Paul. There's no doubt, and uh, get more, get another pick back. What do they have? 16, 17 future first round picks, like over the next something seven like drafts. Yeah. Like it's Six, something yeah. hilarious, and it's like uh, uh, David Griffin. We'll get to obviously the Pelicans and the moves they're making. It's like Presti and Pelican, uh, Griffin are trying to see who can acquire the most first round picks here. It's it's quite a uh, quite impressive. I think this is a boost, Trey. Maybe not, because I guess you could say OKC is going to be sort of garbage. Could be a boost to my odds of winning my bet with you about SGA, <laughs> Shane Gilders Alexander making an All Star team. Now maybe because again, probably don't win a lot of games, but he's going to be the guy. I mean, they are saying, "Here you go, you're our future star." You know, we are totally rebuilding. But I don't know. I don't know if it helps or hurts. Now that I say this out loud, Trey, what do you think? Were you worried at all? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, maybe SGA's points per game are going to go up, but the Thunder, they need to be bad. They need to be terrible. You know, people have been trying to talk themselves uh, into this core of Rubio, Shea, Kelly Oubre, 
Dort, Steven Adams being able to make a run at the playoffs, being able to make a run at the play-in tournament. But I honestly think that would be a disaster for the Thunder if that happens, because then you're picking, you know, somewhere from 16 to 20, and then you're picking somewhere from 16 to 20 the next year. And then all these picks you got from the Suns and the Clippers, they're going to be in the 20s. Suddenly you're trying to rebuild a team with a bunch of picks in the 16s and 20s. That hasn't gone well for the Thunder ever since they drafted Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka. The picks by the Thunder and Sam Presti, not that great. So mm-hmm. it's it behooves the Thunder to pick in the top five, to to be terrible. And, you know, uh, maybe that means that they start moving people. Maybe Oubre doesn't stick around in OKC. Maybe Ricky Rubio goes to another team. Danny Green, we'll talk about later, seems like he would be more useful to a contender than OKC. But, uh, Steven yeah, Adams. I mean, what I'm, about Steven Adams? Exactly. Uh, I don't think the team that we're seeing of the Thunder today is the team that we're going to see when the season yeah. actually starts because they should be bad. They should be wanting to be bad. You know, Sam Presti has done a great job of accumulating assets, but that's honestly the easy part. Like if you trade Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Chris Paul, you should be getting draft picks back because you're losing Hall of Fame all-star players. So let's see what he does with the picks. Let's see if he's able to hit, you know? I think we look at Sam Presti a lot differently if the Portland Trailblazers take Kevin Durant with that draft pick and he's the one who picks Greg Oden because he's kind of been coasting on that. Honestly, you know, the, the Thunder have had a lot of good teams They've had some great teams, but they haven't been able to put a title team around three MVPs. And, you know, that's, to me, a knock. You know, you can yeah. get as many picks as you want. You got to get a chip. I, th- I think I think last year's trade for uh, Chris Paul is underrated already, though. Just just that trade, I, I think it's just... just uh, it's good just to take a quick little focus on what he got for Russell Westbrook. Sam Presti was able to get... Two Rockets first round draft picks, which are going to be Could probably be good. pretty yeah. good here, yeah. plus the right to swap draft picks with the Houston Rockets. So if they're really bad, even worse than the Thunder, they could have four first round picks for Russell Westbrook. Uh, and he got Chris Paul with that. If you turned around and said, hey, let's trade Chris Paul back for Russell Westbrook one for one right now. It wouldn't make that trade. That was a fleecing of, of a deal. Uh, and I know we always pra- uh, praise Daryl Morey, but that was an incredible move. Uh, you're right. When we talk about draft picks, though, they're just picks. They don't put up 20 and 10s. So this pick that he got back uh, from the Phoenix Suns, is, it, it's just a draft pick until they actually turn into something. <laughs> uh, it means absolutely nothing in, in the short term. Um, it's it's got to turn into something at some point, and yeah, they're they're looking down the road. Uh, the the top of the West and and the top of the East, which we'll get to, are loaded, and that's why I th- I'm pretty excited for this upcoming season. There's a lot of legitimate contenders in both conference, but the Thunder got to run away from the top of the conference. Just get the heck away from yeah. It and I mean, be the bad. Thunder are going to be one of the rare teams. It feels like that, like Trey is saying, is like, no, nah, we don't want to win. We'll 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 try and get a very high pick in what everybody says is going to be an awesome draft too. This this next one in, in 2021. Apparently, and the projected number one pick is playing in Oklahoma. He's going to be playing in Oklahoma State, so maybe you want that guy. Maybe you want Cade Cunningham. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's also weird that. The Thunder getting worse makes the Rockets pick swaps a little less alluring because, you know, if the Thunder are fifth in the draft and the Rockets are fourth, you're not moving up a whole lot. It makes a lot more sense when it's, you know, fourth and 16th. But I will agree the Rockets picks are going to be the lifesaver for this because the team is getting worse. They're losing players. They're losing all of their good players. And we're going to see a bad Thunder team in Oklahoma City for the first time in a decade. We'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, I think it was Ben Golliver. I heard him on his podcast today talk about if any other GM does what Presti has done over the last couple of years, they're probably getting destroyed by everyone. And like you guys yep. said, like he, they've traded away, you know, Hall of Fame type players, obviously all NBA guys, three of them, and just really for picks. And they were good this year. And like they nearly got out of the first round. I think they ended up being the fifth seed. They were basically the fourth seed. Like it was a good team. And, you know, he just has, he's he's given the allowance, even from Thunder fans. Like, I think this is what Ben was saying is like, it's cool. Like, we, we trust him what he's doing. And it, there does make, it, it makes some sense. Like, I don't think the Thunder, if they had just brought back the same team, Lee, are as good as they were, if you know what I mean. Because the West's probably getting better with other teams like the Warriors and stuff like that and other teams on the rise. And maybe it was just a bit of a fluke here. Like, I just don't think they would have been the fifth seed again is the easiest way to put it. So they're just like, oh, yeah. let's bottom out. I mean, maybe, maybe. I think a lot of people thought that going into last season, though, as well. I mean, the Thunder were reportedly trying to trade Chris Paul but couldn't yeah. find a, a destination for him. Uh, and those players you talk about, you know, they're, they're all-star players, all-NBA players, Paul George, Westbrook, and Chris Paul, but they all wanted out of OKC as well. So... Presti at that point is like, well, I may as well just get these assets that I can as far as uh, draft picks. And what he does with those now is that's that's a huge question because he has to turn them into something tangible. But I also suspect with so many that he has, given the timeline that he's on, like in 2027, at that point, if the team isn't competing for a championship, still trying to build through the draft, then it's probably failed anyway. So I suspect he probably will use some of these at some point to try to acquire uh, a veteran to come along to, to join some of these younger players. That, that's mm-hmm. what I believe because he's just got too many picks right now. Too many picks. I didn't know you could have such a thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just one of those situations that Sam Presti knows. It, like, uh, OKC is not a free agent destination. He's had good players there. But if these guys want out and if he can, you know, maximize the return in terms of assets, then that's really all he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he has to go. And I, I agree with also what you're saying there with uh, Kevin Durant and Greg Oden there, Trey, because, I mean, he didn't pick Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was available at number two. Like, <laughs> it's not as though that was like a savvy move. It was like, hey, Blazers, are you going to take him or are we going to take him? It's up to you. And the Blazers chose the wrong decision. So uh, he did that. But uh, I think as well, though, you, you, Skeets, you're talking about OKC fans. I think you have to convince yourself that like, wow, we've got all these assets we are going to get some very, very good players out of this because the Thunder did draft Russell Westbrook and they did draft James Harden and, and Presti gets credit for those as well. Now, they're obviously both gone as well now. But, you know, if you can get a couple of those picks to be like two or three, whatever in the draft, you expect you are going to get a high-quality player out of it. So that's mm-hmm. what I think the OKC Thunder fans are sort of convincing themselves on right now. And look... Dort showed some improvement down there in the bubble. He's got to work on his uh, offensive you game. You want to though. talk Dort? Let's talk yeah, Dort. Just saying, just like, like, Dort the team team's going crazy. <laughs> you look at Dort. Dort's got some potential there, and he's they're basically he's an intern basically for the Thunder for the next two years. <laughs> yep. uh, and and Gilgis Alexander. I mean, he's a very very good young player. So you know there are some pieces there. Of, of course, they're not anywhere near ready to compete right now, but. I can see in, in two or three, four years' time that uh, if they all come together, the Thunder should be a very, very good team in the Western Conference as LeBron and the Lakers and the Clippers, those players uh, move on. And, and certainly, uh, I mean, LeBron will be 38 or whatever, and, and some of those Clippers players will be into their mid-30s. That's when the Thunder should be ready to uh, make a challenge. If we're going to talk Lou Dort, we might have to break up this podcast into two parts. I mean, <laughs> there's so many freaking trades to talk about that happened. I went to bed and the whole league was traded at yeah. night. Yeah, mm. and it might not be done. I don't think it no. is. Yeah, we got we got a lot to get to here. I just have one more point about OKC, though. They are a small market team, again, and credit to Gulliver for bringing this up. You wonder, with the pandemic, 
and no fans being in the arena and a lot of money lost there on ticket sales, could this also, with ownership and Presti getting together, yeah, they're thinking long-term and all this, but hey, this is, uh, this is saving money. Let's be honest. We're getting off of a massive, massive contract here in Chris Paul at a time where we're hemorrhaging money and we're a small market team. I think there's probably some truth to that as well. I'm not knocking it because you guys are said it all, getting picks back, more bites at the apple, you know, more chances to get a star, star player like they have before in the past, like Trey took us through with the Sonics Presti. So it makes all sense, but I think that uh, came into play here as well. I, and maybe it's a little different. Um, again, they were a good team, Chris Paul and these young guys in the mix. And now, of course, Schroeder's gone. Chris Paul is gone. We'll get to Schroeder in a second. Gallinari's probably going to be gone. I think Steven Adams could be moved still. Like, they're going to try and probably be the worst team in the league and hope you know that the ping pong balls bounce their way and they get like a first or second pick from one of these awesome guys that are apparently going to be in the 2021 draft. But I thought it was a good point from Gulliver as well. But let's keep it going here. You're right, Tass. Man, everything was happening last night. It felt like... Shams of The Athletic, he reported last night that the Bucks were sending Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first-round picks and two pick swaps to the Pelicans in exchange for Drew Holiday. On, ta- on top of that, the Bucks decided to get Giannis even more help. We got reports that Milwaukee will execute a sign-and-trade with the Sacramento Kings for Bogdan Bogdanovich and Justin James is thrown in there. Bucks are sending back Dante DiVincenzo, Ersan Ilyasova, Ilyasova excuse me, and DJ Wilson. Two, two deals, but it, it feels sort of like a three-team deal here um, with, with, with what's going on. In the end, the Bucks are getting Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich um, and then giving up all those guys. <laughs> they lost a lot of their depth. But are you up or down, Trey, on the Bucks going out, getting aggressive, trying to get help for Giannis to send that message, getting Drew and uh, Bogdanovich? Oh, yeah. Big time up on this. I think this is a great move for the Bucs. Uh, people were kind of crushing them a little bit after the Chris Paul trade when the news came out that the Bucks hadn't even approached the Thunder about that, saying, what? You're going to lose Giannis. Little did we know, 11.30 p.m., as soon as I closed my eyes, Drew Holiday heading to Milwaukee. There is a lot of stuff going on, like you're saying, Skeets. There are, you know, losing George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. That's some institutional knowledge that Milwaukee is going to be losing but really, I don't think they gave up a whole bunch. Holiday is a lot better version of Eric Bledsoe. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, he's got a lot of fans on the internet. He's going to be a little bit more versatile than George Hill. Really great news for the Bog Bog boys out there. The defense might take a step back, but I think between Brooke Lopez and Giannis, you're going to be able to make up for, you know, some of the some of the step back you're going to take going from George Hill to, to Bog Bog. But uh, Drew Holiday obviously plays defense as well. And for me, the picks would be a problem. Giving up that many picks and draft swaps, that can be a problem if Giannis leaves. But honestly, if Giannis leaves, the team is screwed regardless. You got to think that maybe there's a deal in place already for him to want to pick up his extension Mm. or something along those lines. Or at least, you know, show me you're willing to make moves and spend a little bit of money and I'll be more interested in sticking around in Milwaukee. But I don't know. I think this makes them the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Not that they weren't already. Uh, but I think even more so, when you get one of the biggest trade chips out there, it's got to be a good move. And it feels like Drew Holiday is just going to be a perfect fit alongside Middleton and Giannis. You know, he's going to be able to create off the dribble when they need him to. He's going to be able to hit from outside. He's going to get shots for himself and others. He's going to do a little bit of everything that they need Uh, compared to Eric Bledsoe, who we've seen in the playoffs. He's going to give you a nice all-star caliber season. He's going to get some talk at the all-star break. And when you're going to say, yeah, okay, okay. He's the head of their defense. Who cares? 
Drew Holiday has shown up in the playoffs and actually done it. Uh, he hasn't been there as many times as Eric Bledsoe, and it's going to be a little bit of a learning period for Giannis to play alongside somebody different finally, but I think this is a great move. What do you think, Tass? Have they done enough here to uh, convince Giannis to either sign the Supermax extension this offseason or at the very least try and convince him to resign, you know, next offseason in 2021 when he becomes an unrestricted free agent if he doesn't sign it? What, did they do enough here in your opinion? I hope so because they gave away their future. That, that's for sure with all these picks and pick swaps. Yeah. Uh, but like basketball wise, they got so much better. The team that lost to the Miami Heat last year in the, in the playoffs, it was Giannis and Chris Middleton could definitely play at the end of games, and Brooke Lopez. Those were the three guys. Chris Middleton had to create a lot. Giannis was there. Brooke Lopez was also there. But then they didn't trust anybody else to finish games. George Hill was kind of around, but he's way past his prime. Eric Bledsoe, they don't know if he's going to be able to close out games. Well, you got two guys you're just plugging in there into the closing lineups. Drew Holiday is a great player and will create off the dribble. He's 30 years old. Uh, he's not Chris Paul. He's five years younger, though. I think that's a, a big part of this. It could be somebody that grows with Giannis. And then Bogdanovich is a good player, and there's a reason why he has lots of fans on the internet. It's because he does it in the flashy ways. He hits big shots. He's not great off the dribble. He, he is a catch-and-shoot guy. He's 40% on catch-and-shoot threes. So he'll be getting a lot of those in the Milwaukee system. He won't have to create because of those other names I just said. Middleton can do it. Uh, Drew can do it. You've got a closing lineup. You don't have a bench because they gave away absolutely everybody uh, from their bench. But those guys weren't really contributing a lot. Dante DiVincenzo didn't impress. But doesn't play him anyways. Yeah, they, they just they weren't awesome anyway. You're right. I mean, he didn't uh, he didn't have a choice. Slash, he didn't do it. Slash, uh, I don't know what the heck was happening there in Milwaukee. Uh, they they've got to find. They've got seven guys on the roster. They've got to find a way to fill it out. Uh, but I, I think this hopefully comes with a handshake deal here, not only for Giannis, but also for Drew Holiday. If you're giving up three first round picks plus two pick swaps for one year of Drew Holiday, it's not a great look. Uh, it's it's not productive. So hopefully it's a handshake deal for both Giannis. Hey, you're re-signing, man. I think it is, it is enough um, that, as Trey said, they should be the favorites. But it's not going to be easy uh, going into the the second round and the third round in the Eastern Conference. Boston's still there, Miami, uh, Brooklyn, Toronto, uh, Philadelphia. There's no one's going to be a pushover. Uh, but hopefully, again, for the Bucks and John Horst making these moves, that these guys stick around. But when you look at the picks, Bobby Marks broke it down uh, on Twitter. The first one's a number 24 in this upcoming draft. So it's not a great pick. And then... Uh, it's, they're unprotected later on. 2025 and 2027 we're already trading for. The world's going to be done by then. Who cares? Uh, call it. Call it. I, I think, yeah, you go all in. Maybe it's a bit of an overpay in, in terms of uh, draft capital. Uh, but as Trey was saying, it's the end of the world if, if Giannis leaves anyways. Uh, you have to do something. And, and people will, will say, com- in comparison to Chris Paul, who was just traded for Rubio, Ubre, and a first-round pick, you just gave up the potential for five uh, first-round picks for Drew Holiday. Uh, but I, I think you know it would be just a year or two of Chris Paul. This should be years of Giannis and Drew Holiday playing together. I think they are more on their timelines. I know it's a it's a bit of a crazy statement to sort of uh, undercut Chris Paul and what he is in the NBA, but um, 
they have a team. They have guys that they can close out games with now, and, and that's exciting. They have they have really turned it around in terms of their roster, and now they got to figure out the bench. Yeah, they have half a team is the best way to put it because you're right. They don't have a lot of money to play with either. Like they're going to have to hope that they get a lot of these like vet guys that want to come and join Giannis and have a chance at a title. Not a lot. Giannis of has more with. brothers. Giannis has more brothers. He's <laughs> got cousins we can bring over. His brother's already got a championship though. So yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's well, right. It'll be tough to get him uh, to convince yeah. him to come to Milwaukee. But we also don't know what Bogdanovich's contract's going to be. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know what it's even like. It could be anywhere like like what ten million to twenty million. I don't know what the guy's going to sign for, so that would come into play too. And I don't even know if this is legal what they're doing. Really, <laughs> right? You're seeing some like, uh, hold on, <laughs> Can you agree to this sign and trade? Like, uh, I guess they have, maybe the teams can because they've talked. I don't know. It's a, it's very confusing. But anyway, he's there and he's going to sign a deal. We'll see what it is. But what do you think, Lee? Are you are you up or down in general with the what the Bucks have got here uh, last night in these two guys? Oh, majorly up for sure Major. because uh, as well as you guys saying that Eric Bledsoe he he delivers you a, a decent regular season but he's he just now has had enough time in the playoffs to show up and he hasn't done it and George Hill's the same he's a very good regular season player but what's the point when you come playoff time you're like I just can't trust these guys now there's a lot of pressure on Drew Holiday because he now has to be the guy who steps up and delivers but I think he can be I think he's going to a situation where he is competing for a championship and he's going to be good. He's good at both ends of the floor. That's very, very important here for the Bucks. But I think the big one really is that the Bogdanovich one came out of nowhere, really. I mean, we did not see that coming at all. And the fact that all that really cost them was Dante DiVincenzo, that's a steal, I think, for Milwaukee. Because uh, Ilias Sova went as well. Okay, he's past his prime. He's just a, he's just an insurance filler right now. And uh, DJ Wilson, I mean, he's may not even be in the league next year. So really, they gave up Dante DiVincenzo, and I think they uh, improved at that position. And Bogdanovich, I think he's a much better shooter. And I just think that's uh, that's what the Bucks need out on the floor. So you know, the, all the things they look at uh, for Mike Budenholzer during the regular season, he likes to go ten deep. Even in the playoffs, he likes to go ten deep. This is, I think, a message though from the Bucks are saying you need to just play your best players the most minutes in the playoffs. Now they do have to fill out that roster, but you only have to get some some veterans who can fill in, uh, and some cheap ones who are looking to just sort of tag along and maybe ride some coattails here. That's what you need to do because in the playoffs, you know, Kyle Korver I think played 25 minutes in one game against the Miami Heat. That's not good. I mean, as much as I love Kyle Korver, he shouldn't be out there as a as a major ro- uh, player on your team. He's a, he's a he's a role player who fills in a handful of minutes every now and again. So uh, this is a huge season now for Milwaukee. Huge, huge season. I mean, if things don't work out for them now, and what work out means at the minimum Eastern Conference Finals, I think that's uh, anything less than that will be a failure on this season. Then Budenholz is gone. And of course, depending on what Giannis does with his contract extension, whether or not he signs it, uh, he could be gone as well. But you have to do it. You have to go in. You have to go all in and improve the team. If you had come back with that team with Eric Bledsoe again as your starting point guard, uh, that would have just been depressing. Yeah, they couldn't do it fan. again. I mean, no they already way. did do nothing the first time. They lose to the Raptors, and everyone's like, okay, well, they're just going to basically bring back the same team, which they did. And then they get embarrassed by the Heat. And now Giannis is injured, and I get all that. But you're right. They had to do something. Hey, this will be the greatest Bucks trade in history of their franchise if Giannis signs a Supermax extension. Done. Simple as that. If he signs for long term, then this is the best deal in their history. Well, they did Easily. get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, no, they gave him up, they didn't they? They gave him away. That's <laughs> oh the worst trade in the, yeah, in the what am I franchise about? history. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's all, it just all hinges on that. And and it's just that's what's fascinating. Is this mm. enough? Is he excited about this? They're they're not just running it back. And, you know, Budenholzer's still there. We thought he might be gone, but they, they obviously have some sort of, uh, you know, a relationship. I'm talking about Giannis and Bud. So, 
yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's still likely. I've been saying all all along that he's going to sign there, but he hasn't yet signed yeah, the Supermax. The does he does he does he do that now, or does he I wait know. and see how it plays out? Because that contract's going to be sitting there for him next season. Right, so it's, right. Uh, you know, there's no real rush for him to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he keeps his options open, and uh, you know, so I, I I think I think he probably holds off. I'm going to say he holds off until 2021 to decide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. depending on how so. they play this year and how they look, yeah. yeah, and who they match up in the playoffs and how far they go. Yeah, it's very, it's very possible. And just before we move on, Trey, anything you want like from the Pelican side of things or the Kings side of things? You know, not huge, huge names coming back here. Obviously, a lot of picks, like we said, for Griffin and New Orleans. Anything to add from those two sides? Not much to add for the Kings. I guess they're choosing Buddy Heald over Bog Bog. Yeah. Cool. Uh, As for the Pelicans, you know, they did a good job. Drew Holiday is a fringe all-star on an expiring deal. If you're the Bucks, you're like, oh man, we're getting Drew Holiday. But if you're the Pelicans, you're saying the guy was going to be here for another season at the most. We got three picks and two swaps out of it. You got to be loving it. You know, they picked, they got a pretty good return for a guy who was going to be able to leave after this season who hasn't necessarily taken them to the playoffs every single year. You know, he was brought in to be the guy who keeps Anthony Davis around. That obviously didn't happen. He's not going to be the guy to keep Zion Williamson around. So now you can completely dip into the rebuild. You've already got Ingram, Ball, and Zion there. Jackson Hayes is around as well. You've got a few more pieces that you can work with, and I think that that's a smart move. You know, Drew Holiday was a well-liked guy amongst the Pelicans, but... He's going to like competing for a championship as well. I think this is good from all sides. Yeah, we were thinking uh, at the very least it would take like probably two first round picks, right, for Drew Holiday because we were saying, well, look what look what uh, it took to get Conley uh, in into Utah. It might be something similar there. And yeah, in the end they get three first round draft picks and the swaps on two other ones. If Giannis leaves, these could be very very good picks. I mean, if Giannis does say, nah, I'm out of here, um, the Bucks aren't going to be great. I think David Griffin must have had two phones going there when he was talking with uh, John Horst and just saying, well, I've got, I've got this other deal. So if you want Drew, you're going to have to give me yeah. all these picks because, yeah. uh, un- you know, unprotected, that's that's pretty bad to me because we saw what happened there. You know, that's what basically the uh, the, Celt- uh, the Nets gave to get the Celtics big three. You give up those unprotected and they could fall anywhere. Right. Uh, you know, you could get a couple of number one picks out of it. Uh, unlikely, but still it's possible. But when you, when you say unprotected and you agree to that, that just shows how desperate you are to get the deal done. So, uh, well done, David Griffin. Well done, David Griffin. All mm. right, let's keep it uh, going here. But before we get to the Lakers Thunder trade and the James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets rumors and all that, we got so much. This could be a two hour podcast. Let's hear from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. I can't believe that I didn't do this off the top of this show, because we're already like 40 minutes in here. But could we go to the Southern Lawyer for a quick setup here for our next topic? We got ourselves a tray! Yeah, we had a lot of them. Uh, apologies to the Southern Lawyer for not going <laughs> to you earlier. Let's get into the Lakers Thunder one. The Lakers worked out a deal to acquire Dennis Schroeder. As part of the trade, LA is preparing to send the player they select with the 28th overall pick and Danny Green to OKC. So, up or down on the Lakers' thunder deal. Task get us started. What do you like? I'm thumbs up on both sides. Uh, the Lakers get oh, who is a guy who's going to be their third best scorer, Dennis Schroeder, immediately. Uh, he, he, this team just won a championship, uh, but on the offensive end, it was LeBron and Anthony Davis, and then guys chipped in, and Caruso and Kyle Kuzma, here and there, and KCP was a giant. This Actually, this deal is a great move for KCP because the <laughs> Lakers got rid of one of their wings in, in Danny Green. But Dennis Schroeder is going to step in uh, and be very good. Now, on the defensive end, yeah, it's, it's tough because Danny Green, although he is railed on on the internet for missing shots, uh, there's a reason why he's won three championships with three different franchises as a starting player. It's because he's really good defensively. You can count on him out there. But... Uh, I have faith in the Lakers organization being able to find a replacement for Danny Green. Now, at this point of his career, he was only playing 25 minutes a game. There are guys out there I think that could do the Danny the job that Danny Green did at the starting start of games, at the start of third quarters. But he wasn't really able to close out games because you couldn't rely on him. I think there's enough guys that would want to play with LeBron and want to play with Anthony Davis to close out uh, that finishing five but it was really it was up in the air every single game with them it was lebron and ad and who the heck knows is who's going to be out there schroeder can now play at, at the guard spot rajon rondo's probably gone uh, and now kcp's uh contract's going to get bumped up congratulations to clutch sports they're going to make some more <laughs> money there and uh they have to find some more guys to, to sort of fill in for danny green um but I think it works out uh, for, for both sides uh, because OKC gets Danny Green. They're probably going to flip him. They also get a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it, it makes sense on both sides. Uh, but the Lakers' identity is defense. Uh, that's how they got things done. That's how they won. Uh, and Danny Green was a part of that, uh, although it's kind of overlooked. Uh, he's just there. He's just doing his job. But I think they'll find somebody to, to replace him. Intruder, uh, he's going to be solid. One of those uh, guys that could replace him, Tass, is your boy, Wesley Ooh, Matthews. Wesley West. Yeah. West could be a potential Danny Green uh, replacement. I wonder for what sure. this means for Rondo, too, right? Uh, with the likelihood of him moving on and maybe signing a deal somewhere else, going to get Truder, who's been compared to him in the past, of his basically his entire career, I feel like, at times. He's not as great defensively as a, well, a young Rondo, and a Rondo that actually played defense uh, this last year, too. you got to give him credit. There were many years where he didn't, but he did sort of bring it on that end. But Schroeder, yeah, much a uh, better uh, scorer and shooter, I think, than, uh, than Rondo. One year, $15.5 million left on his contract, too. So maybe he eventually signs with them, a new deal to stay with the Lakers. But what do you think, Trey? You like this uh, move for both teams? 
Yeah, I think this is good. And I think Tass nailed it. It's easier to replace Danny Green than it is to replace Rondo. And it feels like Rondo's going to be leaving. So you need somebody else to create. We've seen it time and time again with LeBron teams. As the season goes on, he gets a little bit tired of having to create every single shot for the team and says, bring me a creator, bring me a playmaker. One year, for some reason, that was Darren Williams with the Cavs. Didn't work out, but I got a better feeling about Dennis Schroeder. He had a nice season for OKC last year. He's going to be able to get some buckets. He's going to be able to make some plays. He's not as natural of a playmaker as Rondo is. So maybe that hurts the chemistry with Anthony Davis a little bit. But I do think that whether it's Wesley Matthews, whether it's an increased role for KCP, maybe they figure out the Lakers a way to bring back Avery Bradley as well. There are replacements for Danny Green. So using you know, a pretty sizable contract, 15 and a half million. This is a good get to be able to bring in Schroeder and shore up a place that can be hard to shore up. Backup point guard, maybe he's the starting point guard, whatever he is, he's going to be helping close some games, making plays, getting buckets, doing doing uh, creative things basically on the other side when LeBron and AD are taking a little bit of time off. I think this is smart. And as for the Thunder, you know, they'll probably move Danny Green to a team where he can help out a little bit more. It doesn't look like he's going to be winning three straight titles this year, but we'll see where he ends up. Mm. And they pick up a pick for their trouble. Not bad. What do you think, Lily? Yeah, Dennis Schroeder, they've, they've been kind of looking for another point guard. I remember they nearly dragged uh, Darren Collison out of retirement last year, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So uh, to get Schroeder, I think, is a tremendous upgrade for them. Uh, and, you know, Rondo plays well during the playoffs when he when he chooses to, but during the regular season, he didn't give them a whole lot, and he thinks he's going to get more money. So I think that's why he's uh, he's probably not going to be in the Lakers' plans going into next season. And, and for Schroeder, this is a good situation for him because he goes to a contender and he also, as we saw last season, I think he's okay accepting now his role on a team, knowing he's not going to be the best or the second best, but he's going to have plenty of opportunity to go out there and score and get a lot of uh, a lot of play. So that's, I think, a good situation for, for Dennis Schroeder. He's a good shooter from three-point range. He sometimes gets a little bit happy at times with his offense. He thinks he's a little better than he is. But uh, overall, he was very, very good for the Thunder last year in, in a complimentary role. And that's what I think he's going to there in L.A., where he's going to be like, we need you to score. You're gonna you're gonna get your opportunities, but obviously it's still LeBron and AD's team. And uh, if you if you're smart and you play the right way, you're gonna be competing for a championship. So this is uh, this is good for him. And giving up Danny Green, I I think Danny Green showed a few times in the playoffs. He looked really really old and bad. It sort of caught up with him a bit a couple of times. He's a good veteran to have in your locker room, but there were a couple of times out there. Uh, I just thought he was he was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has been kind of like that. For his last couple of seasons, even in Toronto, he was brutal at times. Yeah. Other times, he was really good. But uh, he's just old now, and uh, so you may as well move on from him. And, and you know, someone like Kuzma could potentially step into his role, into his minutes, if he even stays there. There's talk about the Lakers maybe moving on from him, but that's the sort of thing. If you can get a younger guy who can fill in those minutes and hit those shots and, and play the defense that Danny Green gave them, then uh, then you know you're upgrading there. And to give up, uh, you know, another draft pick, 28th pick, again, that doesn't mean anything to the Lakers right now. So uh, this is this is good for them to get Schroeder. I think it in- improves their roster. And for uh, the Thunder, you know, uh, any anything, uh, if Dennis Schroeder wasn't a part of your, uh, of the future. So uh, Sam Presley gets another pick and he gets a veteran that he could potentially package with some uh, one of those draft picks anyway to get a, another younger piece there for the Thunder. So we'll see. But uh, Schroeder's... An interesting player, you know. He really rehabilitated his career. Absolutely think, did, yeah. And, and playing with Chris Paul, I think, really, really helped him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now now he's in a situation, again, playing with veterans and playing with, with stars like LeBron and Anthony Davis, where 
again, you're not going to be expected to be the star. You're like, you're our third choice here. He should thrive in that role. Yeah, he's basically Rondo. <laughs> like yeah. Celtics Rondo. I mean, again, not defensively, but you're right. I'm with you. When he's not asked to do too much, he's a really, really good player. Yeah. We've seen when he was asked to do too much with the Hawks especially, it's too much. He's not good. He's just not that good. But He's, he not, a a, he's not your number one by any no, means. Number no, three no. is perfect for him. I, I 100% agree. It'll be, see, yeah, it'll be interesting if he still continues to come off the bench because he obviously was in the running for the Sixth Man of the Year award. Uh, ended a lot of games, so maybe it doesn't matter to him. But they have options. I'm with you guys. It sounds like everybody's thumbs up overall on this one. Uh, somewhat of a minor deal, but Schroeder, good player that the Lakers bring in here, and we'll see uh, what happens with KCP, what type of deal he gets, and who are the other wings they get. Do they move Kuzma? And then uh, the Thunder, you guys talked about whether or not they move on from Danny Green. All right, let's get to the juicy one here. According to Woj, James Harden has rejected... A two-year, $103 million extension offer from the Rockets. He's made it clear to ownership that he's focused on a trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Harden would have become the NBA's first player to earn more than $50 million in a single season with the deal. He still has three years and $133 million remaining on his current contract. So he's fine. He's going to be okay. But these rumors, these reports that he wants to get to Brooklyn and uh, make the super team there. Up or down on a potential Harden-Durant Kyrie Brooklyn Nets team and we can get into what that would cost I know Zach Lowe had a good little breakdown I'll throw it out right now Lee it would take something like Karis LeVert Jared Allen Spencer Dinwiddie some small filler contracts probably the number 19 pick in Wednesday's draft and then future picks 2022 24 probably no protection on those pick swaps in the other years you know a lot but are you up or down on a Harden Katie Kyrie team if that's what it took big up Big ups. Let's make this one happen because (laughs) clearly by James Harden rejecting that contract and another move that the Rockets made overnight, his focus to me now seems to be that he wants to be competing for a championship and that's not going to happen in Houston. Mm. If he goes to Brooklyn, and again, they're going to have to gut a lot of their depth, but that's fine because you've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You're closer to winning a championship. And he would also, I believe, understand that he would have to accept a lesser role on that team. I don't think he goes, gets traded to that team and expects then still to be putting up 30-plus a game and having the ball in his hands the whole time. He may even play off the ball a lot uh, to start I thought you were going to say James Harden may be coming off the bench. <laughs> listen, listen, I listen. Like, I, I, know, I, know no one, I know no everyone would laugh at that, but I actually think that would still be a great situation. For I don't, I, I don't Former see, sixth man of the year. I, exactly. I still don't understand why people look at coming off the bench as, as such a, a, a demotion or a negative thing. If you're playing the same minutes, getting the same shots and finishing games, finishing games is when it counts. Anyway, yeah. that's an argument for a different day. And I James mean, Harden's if, not coming off the bench. No I know he's not. I know okay. he's not coming off the bench. But, but again... Again, um, if that situation is there for James Harden, you may, you have to go and you have to try to make that happen because, uh, again, you, you're going to a, se- a team where you've got superstars around you. He's played with one of them. We know that didn't always uh, carry too much weight playing there with Russell Westbrook. But uh, going to play with Kevin Durant again and, and Kyrie Irving, uh, I mean, that's just you're basically as good as anyone else almost in the Eastern Conference on, on talent alone right there. So yeah. if James Harden is prepared to accept that, okay, I'm going to a team where I'm probably only going to average, you know, maybe 20, 25 a game uh, still on that team. Then he's going to accept and that that should be good for Brooklyn. You know, another guy who can score, another guy who can shoot, another guy who can end games. I mean, uh, that's what the Nets want. So I hope this happens. This would be uh, incredible for the league if we have a, a, that super team together there. And then if Westbrook gets traded to the Knicks, that would be even better if we saw, <laughs> if we saw that. So I think it is going to happen. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time because we've heard conflicting reports 
Just last week, it was James Harden said he's committed to the Rockets. We locked know that. In. Yeah, locked in. We know that probably wasn't accurate. Uh, and well, now according like, to Brian Windhorse, uh, Westbrook's trade request may have been in response to knowing that Harden was going to try and make a move to Brooklyn. So he finds out about that, and then Westbrook's like, well, I want out of here. Yeah, Train me. Yeah. And it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, yeah. well, There's no point in them staying in Houston. They're not going to win. So if they can go to another team where potentially they they can compete, then uh, great. But the options certainly dry up, you think, for Russell Westbrook uh, right now to go to a contending team. Anyway, but anyway, James Harden to the Nets. In, you know, in for it. I think it happens, and uh, I hope it happens. And you would trade all of what Zach Lowe is throwing oh, out there. Of course, there. yeah. I mean, I, I would I would like to keep Jared Allen because I think you need a big guy there. Um, but obviously, Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, um, who, who else they got there? I'm not even sure who else. Well, uh, Torian Prince could be in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, those guys, yeah. Get rid of all those guys just to get James Harden. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, I mean, yeah, but I that's what we talk about all the time. If you get the talent, if you can acquire the talent, you do whatever you can with all those periphery players. And uh, and if you're the Rockets, I think Dinwiddie's a good player to have, and I think Karis LeVert's a good player to have. You're getting a draft pick again from uh, the Portland Trailblazers here. So I think that's for Houston. Like We may as well start rebuilding and uh, with some good young players who can keep us competitive. Okay, okay. So, Trey, we'll go to you next. What, what do you think? Do you think it could work with three obviously ball-dominant guys? Hey, I've heard there's only one ball to go around. I don't know if you've heard that with all these scores. And then also I'll ask you what you would think of whether or not the Rockets could do better than a potential Nets package of all these guys that I mentioned. Well, all I know is that if James Harden teams up with Kyrie Irving, there's no way I'm going to be able to stop loving either of those guys. Like, I feel like I'm out on Harden at the end of every playoffs. And then when it comes back to the next regular season, I'm like, let's go, buddy. This is the year. Now you're putting him next to crazy Kyrie. I love it. Throw Kevin Durant in the mix. I also love that. It could be a disaster. And you know, people are talking about Harden's going to have to move off the ball. I don't really think so. Like you can run a pick and roll with Kyrie and KD or KD and Harden or Harden and Kyrie. And it doesn't matter who's standing on the other side. James Harden could stand 35 feet away. You still have to guard him out there. You know, he's and there's still going to be other action happening on the other side. You know, I said the Bucks are the favorites right now. If the Nets are able to make this trade, I think they instantly become the favorites. And I think, yeah, there will be some growing pains and it'll be tough uh, to figure out how to share the ball. But I also think that these guys all do have pre-existing relationships, whether it be from the Thunder in the past or Team USA, a place where super teams are built. Uh, you know, I just think that they will figure it out. Let's not discount the fact that DeAndre Jordan also played on some of those Team USA uh, teams with Harden, Kyrie, mm-hmm. and Kevin Durant in the past. So I, I assume he would be the guy that they want in there as their center, which means Jared Allen. We all love him. He's just like Bogdan Bogdanovich. Everybody on the internet loves him, but for some reason, coaches don't as much. But I think it'll be fine. I think they would be an incredible team. And yeah, the Rockets could definitely do better. There are talks that they could perhaps lure Ben Simmons from the Philadelphia right. 76ers. He seems to be the best player who's on the board for the Rockets. And I would much rather have them uh, rather have him and less picks than all this stuff that the Nets could offer, because Mm. you see the tweets coming out saying, Oh, the Nets can offer everything out there. But really what they're offering is the 19th pick, a bunch of guys who were drafted in the twenties and a bunch of opportunities to draft in the twenties. That's not a lot for a guy who's finishing top three in MVP ballots every single year. But once Daryl Morey was gone, once Mike D'Antoni was gone, they brought in first timers and it, Felt like an end of an era. It feels like an end of an era even more so right now. Tough stuff for the Rockets. Yeah, we had some related deals with these teams, Tass. Uh, you know, the Rockets trading 
uh, Sir Robert Covington to the Blazers for Trevor Ariza and then picks a 2020 first round pick 16th overall and then a 2021 first round pick and then the Nets traded uh, Jean and Musa to the Pistons for Bruce Brown and uh, maybe there was something else included there but it's a minor minor deal so second round pick yeah second round pick thank you so there's other moves being made with these two teams but the initial question was that trade package that the Nets could possibly throw at the Rockets and whether you think uh, a hardened Katie Kyrie Nets team is a championship contender automatically oh baby I want to find out Uh, I think yeah on paper 100% I think they are a championship contender uh, I think they would like DeAndre Jordan as their center because he wouldn't request a shot. Uh, and and they would probably have another guy, a fifth guy, just to be a shooter on the other side of the floor to hang out. But I wonder, I just wonder, because these guys, yeah, there's only one ball. You're totally right about that, Skeets. And they always want it in their hands, all three of them. I think it is different than Golden State where it was Clay, KD, and Steph. Steph was able to work off the ball a little bit more than Kyrie is. Uh, Clay never touched the ball unless he was shooting it. Uh, so it's it's different. Uh, the, the the whole offense for James Harden revolves around him. Same how uh, same for Kyrie and, and KD as well. So it, it is it, it's something where I, I looked up uh, just the number of shots, pure number of shots in games, uh, right. and I wondered if these guys were going to get an, enough of the uh, shots. So yeah, teams shoot like 90 times a game. So there's enough, right? I mean, yeah, other guys are going to have to shoot a little bit, 20, 25 for each guy. And then, you know, the other guys get one or two shots per game. DeAndre Jordan, you'll get a dunk. Uh, but uh, I just, I just, this, the being a centerpiece of the offense, I just wonder, like, if they are going to get into a flow, if they're going to feel good. I'm sure they've got great relationships with each other. I'm sure the USA uh, basketball championship uh, situation. Uh, has worked out for them playing with USA ball, I should say. Uh, it just got me a little bit flummoxed, this whole thing about, you know, Kyrie's got to initiate, Harden has to initiate, and of course they've got the talent to make it work, but I just wonder, being the the guy with the ball in their hands every single time, will they feel good not having it uh, in their hands? So I, I, I would love to see it work. I would love for them to trade every single draft pick that they have like they did uh, when they tried to make KG and Paul Pierce work there, I think it should be a, a requisite, a requirement for the Brooklyn Nets franchise. Every decade, you got to trade away every single one of your picks and every pick swap. It's a fun experiment to, to 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 watch happen. But James Harden, at this point of his career, in his 30s here, um, he'd want to be a guy who'd just be a part of a, a team. I, 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 when Probably. you watch him in the playoffs, he is that kind of guy, right? Because he is willing to pass. He, I say he's the centerpiece of an offense, but he is willing to be doubled and make other guys uh, make it happen. But there's three guys now. Is KD, is uh, Kyrie is my guy it, the, that I'm most concerned with. Is Kyrie going to love it? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to love Harden initiating or somebody else initiating. But um, it's going to happen now with Robert Covington being dealt from Houston to Portland, which is a great get for Raphael Stone in uh, the Rockets front office to get two first round picks and a decent one coming up here uh, in a couple days. Uh, in the teens, they got to rebuild the cupboard, as we said, because Daryl Morey left it pretty bare. So <laughs> right. they got to they got to get some picks in there. That's a great get. Two first round picks for Robert Covington. I'm excited to see him in Portland. That's uh, this is fascinating stuff. I, I really hope to see Harden get traded for the whole team to Brooklyn, because otherwise, where is there a fit? I, I know there's the the little bit of the Ben Simmons rumors out there, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of smoke there. 
That's the weird thing with Harden is any potential fit seems super weird because you're used to Harden having the ball for 20 seconds out of 24. So yeah, put him on Philadelphia. You're like, that doesn't make sense. Put him on Milwaukee. That doesn't make sense. Anywhere you put James Harden, it's going to look different. Who's going to be the best player on the Nets if this goes down? I mean... Durant, Durant I mean, if he, if he yeah. comes back healthy, yeah. yeah exactly. Durant question. was, but he hasn't played for a year and a half, coming off yeah. a major injury. Kyrie Irving left LeBron James to have his own team. Now he's likely the third guy. And James Harden's going to have to play with two high-usage players. Yeah. He's been playing with high-usage players for the entirety of his career. I think that that's a little bit slept on. You know, Chris Paul was high-usage. Russell Westbrook was high-usage. I think Harden is used to that, but he's still always the most high-usage. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... We'll see how it goes down. It would be very weird uh, for James Harden to come in and instantly start running the team, considering two years ago this was a team built around D'Angelo Russell, who was all about culture, and now they're just bringing in stars. That's what it's all about. You know, teams will talk to you about culture all day, but when it comes to getting stars, that's what really matters. I think it's also could be pretty ironic if Harden does end up there that we have Steve Nash and then Mike D'Antoni, who's an assistant, you know, in control here of the Nets, of course, known for the beautiful basketball, right? The seven seconds or less. That thing's just pinging around, moving everywhere. And not that it couldn't with these guys, because they're so talented, but they are ISO-heavy guys. I mean, they're just like, and it's good. Like, it's a good shot, because they're that damn good. All three of them of, uh, you know, maybe a pick and roll, but even just let them cook. And uh, they're going to get a good look. Uh, and, and in some cases, pretty high uh, efficiency for, especially like a Durant and, and Harden, all things considered. Uh, and even Kyrie, so... It would just be amazing. Like, I almost want Steve Nash to be like, screw it, I'm going to play with these guys. I'll just rack up 20 assists per game just by handing it to them. Uh, though, they would need some defense. That was the, would be the one thing that uh, they would, would need. Would they, to... though? They're, they're probably going to score 150 a game. Well, so. I would just fill in, the, like, fill in the, you know, DeAndre Jordan's there. But you're going to need another big, and you're going to need some wings. Like, just get guys that play defense. That's it. Because uh, scoring mm. will not be an issue uh, with those three uh, guys on your roster. And, and you can go get those. But, yeah, we'll see. I hope this happens, too. I also... You said it. You slipped it in early. If Harden goes to the Nets, we got to have Westbrook on the Knicks because <laughs> the Knicks uh, championship for the upcoming season would be just beating the Nets in one mm-hmm. game where Westbrook like somehow outduels the three other guys and they win by two. Uh, they hit a buzzer beater and it's like, yeah, the Knicks fans yeah, are like, yeah, that's yeah, the championship for us. And that'd be probably the seventh game of the eight meetings they have and Westbrook <laughs> right. wins by four points and he talks trash the entire time. Right. They can make it a Christmas Day game. They love doing that on Christmas Day. Nets Knicks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, the Nets Warriors would be pretty damn awesome, too. Uh, if we had all of these guys uh, uh, back and playing and then uh, basically sort of three on three, if you want to call it that, that would be pretty cool, too. We'll see. Let's hear from you guys uh, with all of these, by the way. Let us know on Twitter, at No Sync, And I'm sure the uh, stream team has been chiming in. Are they, are they still talking dort? In the stream team? <laughs> They've moved on. Oh, okay, good. They've, They've moved good. on. Apparently, Brooke Lopez opted out of his deal. Okay. Okay. Cool. I think that was expected, though, I believe. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, let's get to our uh, next little piece of uh, news here. This, uh, we're moving on from the trades. Unless there's something happening right now, like Brooke Lopez or an actual trade, you guys can jump in, you know, stop the presses if I there think, is. I think that guy meant Robin Lopez. Oh, yeah. Robin Lopez opted out. Yeah. He, definitely he did moved. yesterday for sure. We yeah. don't need to get bogged yeah. down in the brooks. No, the, yeah. let's move we'll on. We'll see what happens. Uh, Woj tweeted a tentative <laughs> NBA schedule on Sunday that includes an all-star break with no all-star game and playoff dates that bring them extremely close to the start of the delayed 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. We're showing it to everyone, to all our stream teamers right now. December 22nd, opening night, and you got the all-star break again. 
minus the All-Star game. March 5th to the 10th. May 16th, the regular season would end. From the 17th to the 21st, we'd have a play-in tournament for the 7 to 10 seeds. And we can discuss that in further detail. May 22nd, first round of the playoffs. And then the finals going from the 8th of July to the 22nd. So Tass, again, this is uh, Woj reporting this. It's probably uh, legit. Uh, up or down on this accelerated, uh, tentative still NBA schedule? Love it. The NBA schedule has gone from eight months now to seven months uh, because they're cutting down 10 games here, but they've worked in some uh, a little bit of time, a little bit of wiggle room just in case there are contractions uh, of COVID-19 because there will be. Uh, and there's an all-star game, which isn't an all-star game. It's an all-star break without a game uh, just in case uh, people contract COVID-19 because they will. So they're going to have to work in some games because games will get canceled. And the season has been shortened, guys. We're getting 72 games. I think that's what it, what this whole tweet all comes down to. It should just say 72 games. Thumbs up. Uh, everybody <laughs> a little bit happier um, because uh, we don't have to watch 82 games, um, which is it's just kind of drags it out. Unfortunately for the NBA, it, it goes into July. I think they, they would like to, to shore it up before uh, the summer kicks off in July. But uh, mm. that's just the way things have worked out. And, and for them to be able to pull this all together this quickly um you know we will obviously have to see how everything uh goes with the virus guys flying uh, obviously having their home team um host games it's going to be very different than the bubble that's a given yeah. um but the way that, that just procedurally all the logistics that this is working out so far it's it's shocking uh and, and there's going to be some problems I'm sure down the down the line, just because it, this is this is flying in here, it's it's coming in uh, real quick. But uh, I'm I'm yeah very happy to see that it it, it is happening uh, because everybody's making money. That's what the December twenty second uh, start date is all about, and so the NBA has got to be happy about that. Details on the league's coronavirus protocols and the testing for the season, they're still being finalized. That's a huge, like, we got to figure that out for everyone's safety for sure. Um, but, Trey, what do you think of the schedule and this idea of the play-in tournament, extending it, we're adding to it, right? So we, we don't know if official details because we don't know if there's, like, a, you got to be a certain number of games back to force it and all that. But in theory, the number seven and the number eight seeds would need to win just once within this little play-in tournament to get in the playoffs while the number nine and the number 10 seeds need to win twice to move up into the field. So yeah. What do you think about this entire uh, tweet here, of course, from Woj and then that in particular, I love smashing everything together. I'll tell you that much. Cause we got the news on Sunday night, right? That it was going to be trade season opens on Monday. And then we have basically a one week off season where everything is happening. That's exciting. And that's what it's going to feel like once the season comes around. Uh, Sarah Spence at the AJC reported that Travis, Schlank says that the break in the middle of the schedule is just there to make up games that need to be made up if they're uh, postponed for COVID reasons, which certainly makes sense. I mean, the all-star break with no all-star game definitely feels weird, but you can see why they would do it. As for the seven through 10 play-in tournament, I don't like the idea of it. I don't like uh, that two-thirds of the teams in the league are going to be able to say we made the playoffs. Makes it a little bit less special. But when it comes around time for play-in tournament and it's seven versus ten and it's one win and you're in, I'm going to love it. It's going to be super fun to watch. And, of course, we're getting back to sort of the normal schedule. The season's going to be ending a month after when it would usually end. But that puts you kind of on track to be able to have a standard 21-22 season 
which I think is kind of what everybody is going for here. Yeah, it's getting jammed in together, but it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to feel like nonstop and... Uh, and I love it. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to have basketball back. And it's going to be super weird when, you know, teams are playing so often and they seem to be playing in the same place all the time. But with all this um, local talk being done, you know, like the Raptors might want to be playing in Buffalo so they can play the Knicks and the Nets and the Sixers just because right. they're all close. It's going to feel weird when teams uh, are in a bit more of a baseball mode, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And that play in tournament, as much as I hate it in the off season, when it's happening, it's awesome. Right, right. You get those games that yeah. like Ooh, win and you're in. That's sort of exciting. Sure. Uh, you know, for the for the one particular game. You're right. Also, I'm just I'm just refusing to count teams that are the ninth or tenth seeds as making the playoffs unless they make their way into the playoffs. I'm just like I'm just not going to count it. But it'd be really weird if like the Mavericks, let's say, at a number seven seed, are like ten games up, twelve games up on teams behind them in the eighth, ninth, and tenth, and yet they still got to play in this thing. And that's why I'm waiting to see if there is like some sort of like cutoff, like we saw in the bubble where you had to be a certain number back. Because that seems really weird to me, but maybe they don't care. They're like, well, you, okay, you're 10, 12 games up. Then that means you're better. Just go win a game and you're in. But I, I don't know what you think, Lily, about the play-in tournament going 7-10. to 10. I, I like it. I, I think it was successful down there in the bubble. And I think the NBA has been sort of leaning towards trying something like this. The first time they do it, it works. So they're going to try to expand it. And maybe this doesn't work. Maybe this is too many teams. But we won't know until we find out. And uh, I I think it's fine. I just think it's fine to get out there and uh, and have a few more teams. Because, again, what I believe they're trying to encourage is is teams that just feel a little bit closer to the playoffs, even if they're not, that they will keep competing. And it's a way to reduce some of the tanking. I think that's what it's all about. Give your fans that hope that, hey, we can Just keep interest in the teams from these fan bases. You you might be 12 games back, but you can still make the playoffs. And then if you only have to beat this other team, let's say it's only once – then you're in the playoffs, and uh, and and that's 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 what I think they're trying to do. Is just trying to encourage a little bit more hope for those teams, uh, because if you look at the Blazers, you know the fact that they made the playoffs was pretty shocking in the end. You know they went down there, they're a long way out, and they had to beat the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were the favourite to make it, and they didn't do it. Now injuries came into play, of course, but that's just the way. It gave the Blazers a chance, and then the Blazers were uh, one of the funnest teams to watch down there in the bubble, even though they lost four straight in the end to the Lakers. They certainly earned their way into the playoffs, I think. So uh, that's what the mm-hmm. NBA is aiming for. And I think it's great. But I, I also just think we are living in an alternate reality sometimes in terms of the coronavirus. There was 180,000 new yeah. cases the last couple of days. And uh, again, uh, there, there's so much uh, instability with the current government that I don't think that's going to be getting better anytime soon. I think between now and January 20, uh, coronavirus is just going to continue to get out of hand. So uh, it seems certain to me that we are going to lose some games. and there's We could lose the whole season. There is a potential that right? we will go into a lockdown at some point as well, I think, yeah. uh, once the, the Biden administration comes in. So so there's that uh, that we're dealing with. But that almost seems like well, that's just a different universe sometimes when yeah. we talk about, ah, the NBA's coming back in, in uh, wow, it's, it's 20, it's, <laughs> it's just over a month away until the season starts, <laughs> which is... Oh, it's crazy, man. We're going to get the crazy. schedule soon. We're going to know, know who's playing I on know. Christmas in theory soon, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It'll probably be a week or two that they're going to uh, I, I would imagine, sure, yeah. trying to figure it all out. But and we don't even know where the Raptors are going to be. The Raptors are going to be Yeah, we don't even know where the Raptors are playing. Yeah, we're flying by the seat of our pants here. But uh, this is, again, the tentative schedule that we're working with. And there's some like workaround dates in there, like you guys said, in case games are missed or lost or whatever. Um, it'll be another wild season, um, and we're going to be heading right back, right into it again here on No Dunks, where we'll be doing the daily podcast. But 
I guess after the draft here, after free agency, we should take a week or two off, like actually stop podcasting. Oh, as if that's going to happen. For a second. Be, that, that's when the Harden trade's going to happen, and that's when uh, uh, there'll be other stuff going on, I'm sure. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We all need a break. And let's take a break right now. We still got a little bit more to discuss here in the Updown Report. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I'm going to set you up with one here, Lee. You think Gwen Stefani has ever played DraftKings? (laughs) No doubt. No. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good one. Very good. (laughs) Lee, as Gwen Stefani said, let me blow your mind. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 7-3. Tom Brady, 23 touchdown passes. He's still got it. Wow. Wow. That's great. That's great. (laughs) TB12 forever, right, Lee Lee? TB12, yeah, that, uh, that's a match thing, wasn't it? He used to say that, TB12. <laughs> he yep, sure did. <laughs> he started he sure that. Did. He absolutely started <laughs> that. All right. Uh, some fun things to end with here. The Thunder, they got new City Edition uniforms. They've been released. Let's take a look for all the stream teamers. There they are. According to Joe Musato, this is the first Thunder jersey to only say Oklahoma. Uh, there's a back, there's a little SGA, he's got all of the letters, uh, looks cool, and I mean, I don't know, this, I hope I'm not taking anyone's response to this, it feels like so NASCAR-y to me. So nascar <laughs> Right? It's unbelievable. So Trey, are you up or down on these City Edition jerseys from OKC? Well, Skeets, you know I'm more of an F1 guy, but yeah. I imagine that these NASCAR-themed uniforms will apply will appeal to the fan base in Oklahoma City. I don't know why. I just assume there are a lot of NASCAR fans there. It is a weird little bit of a trend that we got going on here with these new additions uh, that just say the state, right? The Blazers yeah. had just Oregon. This is weirder to me because the team's name is just one word longer. Just throw those four C-I-T-Y letters on there and call it a day, but... I don't know. To me, the Thunder have yet to have a great jersey in their franchise history, and this is not helping the case. <laughs> it is weird. You're right, because these are called the City Edition uniforms, and they don't have the city on them, <laughs> uh, which makes it even more perplexing. Yeah, just the state there. Okay, Tass, what do you think of these? You, you thumbs up or thumbs down on the NASCAR vibe? Got to go thumbs down, and I don't like the layout when they take a photo with the shorts sort of off to the side of the tank top. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't make it look better. It, okay. it's, it, it makes it look like it's not a set, you know, it, it, like it doesn't go together. And maybe that's just the design of the jersey uh, because 
it definitely looks like you could pick it up at a Love's Travel Stop. Like it, it, <laughs> it looks like it's sold in the store. Uh, it definitely has NASCAR vibes. Definitely uh, will be sold uh, a little bit, but just not digging it. It's just, mm. yeah, they don't seem basketball-y. Okay, what do you think, Lily? Yeah, they're fine. Uh, you know, they're fine, I suppose. They had uh, a low bar there in uh, OKC yeah, with most of yeah, their jerseys, yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah. as always, you need to just see them out on the court with the court design. Maybe there's something there connected. I don't know, but uh, I, I don't mind them. I don't hate them. I think there's been worse ones out there. Um, yeah, you know, they're just okay. fine. They're just fine. <laughs> just yeah. fine. And they are a city jersey, so they'll only be around a year, most likely. Right, probably. Get them while you can. All right, we end with this. It's become no secret that the Australian man of mystery, hottest name going into the 2020 NBA draft on Wednesday. So we wanted to roll Lee's scouting report to get everyone familiar, all the teams out there with their picks, with his strengths and his weaknesses. Let's roll the tape. Lee Ellis is a 44-year-old shooting guard from Australia, by way of Atlanta, by way of Toronto, by way of London. He's a knockdown three-point shooter and a plus athlete. But as the oldest draft prospect in history, there are questions about how he will fare after nearly three decades away from organized basketball. Let's take a look at what Lee does best. When you're talking about Lee Ellis, you're talking about shooting. He might be the best shooter in the draft, able to catch fire from outside, punish smaller defenders with his mid-range game, and knock down the occasional lefty jumper. Ellis is absolutely money from the free throw line, where he projects the shoot in the high 80s, low 90s at the next level. He's got an effective pump fake and a constantly improving handle. This guy puts in the work, constantly. Like all of the time. He's a ball mover who should fit into any system. He's come up clutch numerous times, knocking off superior competition across the country. Confidence, baby, confidence! Release all that tension. Ah! He won the 2019 T-Mobile Metro Media Jam Championship with a buzzer-beating jumper, and then he was named MVP. If you had to pick an MVP... The first person I thought of was Lee Ellis. Defensively, while undersized as an NBA 2, Ellis has incredibly quick hands. He disrupts dribblers on the ball and picks up more than his fair share of steals and deflections. He has tremendous core strength from years of bar three practice, which coupled with his quick hands suggest Ellis could guard both backcourt positions. Watch here as he uses his size and quickness to swallow up his opponent before using his length to challenge the shot at the rim. Pretty cool, pretty weird. Ellis is obsessive about his body and what he puts into it. A student of the game, Ellis is a maniac in the gym and has already shown a propensity for the NBA diet. What's your go-to meat on a pizza then? I would have probably uh, chicken if I was to have a meat. Chicken? Now let's talk about where Lee struggles. Despite his creativity and horse, Ellis has trouble converting inside and has been known to blow wide open layups. Sometimes he makes things too fancy. Sometimes he's not even close. He's Ray Allen from three, but he's Tony Allen at the rim. And yes, he's 44 years old. While strong and generally well-conditioned, Ellis has shown stamina problems during high-pressure situations in the past. So what's the verdict? 
while it's tough to evaluate a prospect with no high-level experience who would instantly be the league's oldest player, but after a spectacular interview with the Trailblazers, Ellis is being talked about as a potential first-round pick. Scouts and executives see Clay Thompson in J.J. Barea's body with George Mikan's head. While a risky pick in the lottery, Lee Ellis is a very solid bet to be the steal of the 2020 NBA draft. Alright, so unbelievable work there from Trey Kirby uh, with a little help from JD of doing the scouting report. Of course we did this without telling Lee. Um, We shared this on our social media channels the other day. Um, Up or down, the question is, on Lee's draft stock. I think it's interesting in the video, Trey, you talk about the Blazers. They had the 16th pick, obviously now moved to the Rockets in the Covington deal. So I wonder, with that rebuild possibly going on in Houston... Harden could be gone. You know, Westbrook wants out. <laughs> Coming sorry, gone. Yeah, I wonder if they're looking at a very old, 44-year-old uh, Lee Ellis to rebuild around along with SGA. Uh, we've seen how Lee works with other Canadians. I think that uh, that's good. That's a good sign. Well. Uh, but, of course, well, what am I talking about? Never yeah. mind. I'm mixing up my Thunder team and my Rockets team. Anyway, I'm thumbs up on Lee's draft stock. <laughs> uh, that was a perfect video. Uh, and, uh, you know, you are a great three-point shooter, but you struggle inside. Everybody knows that. Uh, I would just well, always hey, allow you a lane if I was playing you defensively. Everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses, don't they, you know? But uh, no, that was just great work, Trey. Uh, really funny stuff. And, uh, like, yesterday, I can't remember when I first saw it, but I, I just sort of saw on Twitter all of a sudden I had all these mentions, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> and and this, uh, the best part of this video is that we got Matty O in a, in a group chat with us. He wrote, great draft video, and he said... People forgot I was a problem. <laughs> that, that, I mean, as much as I love the Lee clips, uh, any Matteo appearance of him yeah. playing basketball against Lee in the old uh, what was that area twenty one? Area twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, Listen, that, yeah, yeah, he was a problem in that studio that day. He I almost couldn't put beat him away. You. I know, I know, I couldn't put him away. <laughs> it's just like any draft prospect video too. You're shooting over somebody way shorter yeah, than them. Yeah, it's perfect. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Matteo's draft stock. I gotta say, it took a hit when this came. Out, you know, people were talking about him as a fringe first rounder, might not even go in the second. Maybe someday we should release the full one on one game. It was like a thousand clips, oh, it was yeah. so long. I can't believe uh, how long you guys actually played to score points, but I mean, you saw why Lee was locking it down defensively, <laughs> and then every time he get inside, just missed the layup. But uh, uh, yeah, I got a lot of clips of Lee playing basketball on my computer, I had no idea. <laughs> A great yeah, comment from would... Evander85 in the stream team. Why he bullying randos? <laughs> Very funny. It's, uh, that was the first thing I thought of watching it, Trey. I was like, how do you have this many clips of Lee playing basketball? How? Like, you've got ones where he's playing, he's shooting around with the the ball in a bag. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess, was that Kyrie Irving? Uh, that was Kyrie about? Irving, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that must have been like second season, I think, too, oh, wasn't it? God. Like, uh, I don't delete the best clip. The best clip is you looking like George Mikan. Just, uh, <laughs> I love that clip so much. But that's uh, incredible work. So are you, uh, yeah, do you have big plans for uh, tomorrow night, Lily? Um, you know, trying to, you'll be sitting with the family, I assume, in front of the TV, seeing who drafts you, where you fall? Yeah, I hope so. But, uh, I mean, after the first three or four picks and it sort of you know unless you're a super super big draft college guy it's not all that much fun for us really let's be honest let's be honest i mean you know but they start talking about guys like i've never heard of this guy before i just never heard of this guy it's really going to be exciting just to see if lamello does go number one really mm-hmm. that's that's the most exciting thing and will we get lavar will we get lavar on the uh on the broadcast on i the expect to be there or something like that. yeah i uh, i just want 
I think somebody tweeted at us after the video went up, like, this should be a great reason why the draft should go back to, like, eight or nine rounds like it used to be. Like, sometimes, like, Carl Lewis would be drafted, like, in the seventh (laughs) round, basically, as, like, a promotional joke. And, like, I feel like you could have been drafted in this, like, eight or nine rounds. Like, some team, like the Jazz or somebody, just take you with the last pick uh, just to get some, uh, you know, social media (laughs) buzz. But uh, what what do you think, uh, Tass, about Lee's draft stock? Is it rising or, or falling as we come up to the draft on Wednesday night? Hmm. Uh, rising or I mean, I, th- I think it's at an all-time high, so I, I don't know <laughs> how it can get any higher. Um, my question for for Trey is, how did you find out the age of the international man of mystery? That was my first question. I always don't know how old Lee is exactly. You know, the only like reason big... I ever remember Lee's age is because of his email address. I remember he wasn't able mm. to get Lee Ellis, so he's got to throw <laughs> he's got to throw in the extra digits there at the end, and then I just Nicole. do the math from there. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did have to go. Uh, I did have to ask Lee for his uh, height and weight for a graphic we did, and that's why I say he's in JJ Barea's body because yeah. Lee's also often in J.J. Berea's shorts. Oh, that's know? right. <laughs> He'll rock a pair of authentic Berea Mavs point. shorts. Uh, so if you're looking for some NBA comps, there they are. <laughs> uh, my, my final question with this is, like, because Trey did a lot of the work on this. I mean, are you sort of, are you his agent? Like, will you will you get a cut if he, uh, you know, especially goes in the lottery and gets a good payday? <sighs> I'm not great with paperwork and detail, Skeets. I'm more of a hype man. Maybe you could consider me a manager. Okay. Don't leave the contracts to me, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we'll leave the contracts to Money Mellis if, if he's fine with that. You're a good manager. Yeah, maybe I'll do the social media channels or work that. Amazing stuff again from Trey. And good luck to you, Lee. Thank uh, you. Thank you. I'll be interested to see if you go in the lottery. Are you going to continue to do the podcast? I mean, we see players do the podcasts and JJ Reddick and McCollum and stuff like that. So why not, right? I think so. I think that's the way the the modern player needs to be. You know, you need to be good on the court, but you also have to consider your career post-playing. Mm. You know, so uh, yeah, you got to be. Uh, you so be you just socially... flipped it around. You started considering yeah. your career prior to making the league. That's it. That's next level thinking. I mean, right look, there. we've got a few friends out there as well. Like D Griff, he came on the show a couple of times. He's got all these picks. Like, surely he can uh, find a spot for me. Uh, Bones, Griff. Brent Berry in, in San Antonio. Yeah, you got a relationship. Yeah. Wasn't, Griffin, wasn't Griffin in that video? Was he in the background? Yes, he was. Those? He yeah. was of me yawning, yes. <laughs> right. I mean, he was scouting you early. Was... Yeah, yeah. And speaking of our, all our old friends at NBA TV, on the stream team, Erwin Orosio asks, who's your Uncle Dennis? Well, it could be 3D Dennis Scott. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You got connections? We all got a story. He's got a story. <laughs> yeah. What's your story? Great point. Great point. And there was another great thing going around uh, on Twitter when we posted the video of a lot of people saying all West Coast teams have to avoid drafting them, playing like late games because he's just wow. you got to go and you got to stick to the East Coast. No, but I mean, if I'm living on the West Coast, then it's just normal time for me. So you know, we don't play them at ten o'clock out there. Yeah, I don't know with you. I think your 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 body clock's all messed up. You're gonna try. Yeah, that's good. That's gonna. I think you're slipping. You're gonna slip because of that. People are not going to be able to trust you're going to be awake in games. I'll go to Utah to play with Joey Ingles. That'd be nice to have a yeah. uh, all Melbourne back. Although he's from Adelaide. He played for Melbourne though, but yeah. Would make it work. <laughs> okay. Again, I think the Jazz, they're taking a look at you. I know you've got a relationship with them online. All right, let's call it there. That was an extra long edition of the Up Down Report. Of course, we had tons of trades. Hopefully, uh, well, I was going to say hopefully not, but hopefully by the time you're listening to this, there are more trades and we'll be back to discuss those later in the week because this is a wild NBA week. The draft is Wednesday night. We'll see where Lee gets selected. We'll be back for sure on Thursday 
uh, morning. To recap the draft, you got to assume there's going to be a bunch of trades. Sometimes they're minor, but whatever. There'll be some action there off of that, I'm sure. We'll be back on Thursday to recap the draft. I know we're thinking about doing another Beach Stepping podcast. I don't think we've locked that in, but get your questions in right now. No dunks at theathletic.com, or you can tweet them in at no dunks inc. We'll have a Beach Stepping pod coming up soon. Free agency begins at 6 p.m. <laughs> on Friday. Um, oh my God. Contracts. Does it really? can be signed on Sunday so we, we, we might have some uh, things in work here over the weekend too of course emergency podcasts of big names start getting moved around the hardened one especially so subscribe to No Dunks wherever you listen to us we really appreciate it leave your five star ratings and reviews and make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube as well even if you don't watch us on YouTube help your boys out hit the subscribe button hit the little notification button help us out there again if you're just a podcast listener through the athletic or itunes or spotify wherever we would appreciate it okay let's call it there that was a fun one lots to talk about clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome you better believe it was awesome thanks for joining us and remember the tampa bay lightning won the stanley cup the tampa bay rays went to the world series and now tampa bay is taking the buccaneers to the super bowl embrace the day people As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.